Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Footy Prime News and Such, your one-stop destination for footy news and such. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. Football fans, hello and welcome to another news and such, courtesy Footy Prime, the podcast. Busy one today, Shaman's here, Forrest is here, Dunlop's here, Jimmy Brennan, back from vacay, looking really, really healthy, Jimmy. You got oh, thank you very much. Dunlop did. I'm a bronzer. The short term is tight, though. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Shrunk in the wash. <laughs> I could see Jimmy out there as that olive oil guy, you know, just taking it from the uh, from the lunch buffet. Doesn't need whatever I can get my hands on. <laughs> He's applying the olive oil to the skin. That's the issue. Anyway, welcome to the show, everyone. Um, as I mentioned, a real busy one today. We'll get to the whole Chelsea situation, um, which is obviously ongoing uh, later in today's show. But we're going to start with more of a Canadian themed uh, story here. A really fascinating story from BC, Burnaby specifically. BC's inaugural League One starts up this season in May. Now, TSS Rovers are part of this new league. They've been around for, for a while now, but for this season, they have a brand new ownership structure in place. They hope to be Canada's first fan-owned club. So essentially, fans can buy in through a share program. I, I love this idea. It's not unknown of globally, but it is here, certainly. So we're joined to start today by, by three people integral to TSS Rovers and this new structure. Chelsea Hannison is the women's head coach. Chris Corrigan is the one of the founders of the Supporters Trust. And Colin Elms, um, I asked him, you know, what is your title? He goes, well, basically the buck stops here. He's the main man, obviously. Uh, Colin, let, let's start with you. Um, great yeah. concept. It's not quite the Germany 50 plus one model, but, but it's very, very close. Um, give us some more details, can you? Yeah. Um, probably best to, thanks for having us today, guys, by the way. Uh, probably best to kind of back up a little bit to the beginning of this uh, particular entity. We, we uh, purchased a spot in the PDL back in 2016 uh, out of the USL. And it was basically done for a bunch of reasons. Um, I'll kind of go from narrow to broad. The, the first one was, is we're, we're a private organization. We're, we're not, we are now, but we weren't in the pathway here in British Columbia. And so one of the reasons why we did it was to create a pathway and, and actually have a, 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 a male team to start off with. And then a female team the, the next year in the WPSL on top of our pathway. The, the second reason, you know, I'm born and raised in, in BC. Here, um, we've done a poor job, frankly, of, 
of dealing with sort of the 18 to 23 year old player. We, I think we all agree that this is a, has, has been and will continue to be a late developer sport. And when the players get to 18, there's not a lot of platforms for them to, to, uh, go and show that they've improved in, in the game. The, the next one was a big one for me being born here. Um, and, and Craig, you'll know this back in 1986 when we made our only World Cup. Uh, 16 of the 23 players on the roster were born and raised in British Columbia. I don't know if you've looked recently. Uh, we're super excited about our our national team on the cusp of going to Qatar. There's not a single BC-born player in that squad right now. Not a single one. And we have 15% of the soccer population just behind Ontario, Quebec, uh, in the country. And so that's a huge failure on our part. And so, um, and the last, the last one, which is really the big one, that this, we're trying to create a proper club or at least a, a vehicle for a proper club. So we know in, in North America, it's all about, I hate this word, it's all about franchises and, and things like that. And we, we really wanted to, to, uh, set something up that mirrored football around the world. And right off the bat, we, 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 we wanted to have the community and the supporters involved in that. We didn't know how, certainly not a vehicle that, um, that exists, uh, uh, uh in, on this continent right now in, in little places, but for the most part. And so, so yeah, those were, those were kind of the, the four things that, that brought us to the, the table here. And then we spent the last, well, we had three seasons in the USL and then the pandemic came, but we spent a big chunk of the pandemic kind of trying to figure out how to do this. Went down a couple of different roads. One was a community investment co-op that didn't seem to work. And then lo and behold, as always, it's always right in front of your face. There's a fellow in our midst, a parent of one of our players named Mike Stevens, works for a big law firm here in Vancouver. And he happened to have some experience with this stuff. And he also happened to know a group uh, called Front Funder uh, that would help us to provide a vehicle to make this happen. And so, really, you know, while we were all on the on the on the touch lines here, while the pandemic was rolling along, um, we spent a whole bunch of time putting this together, and uh, we're we're here now. The other day, we uh, the the we had a three month period where we had to start to. Uh, attract people into this. Um, the first part was easy because there was a whole bunch of people waiting. And then the second part was, what is this? You know, and you don't, you don't, at times we almost had to like mention the Green Bay Packers. And, oh, okay. I kind of get that. But people, how it, we spent a huge amount of our time trying to educate people on what this was. And, uh, and of course, uh, on March the 9th, two days ago, we passed our, on our last day, of course always drama. We, we, we got over our first, uh, our first sort of benchmark, which was a hundred and $150,000. I think we're at about one sixty something now, Chris. Yeah. And, uh, and now looking at, uh, possibly doing, uh, another layer here. So. Has there been other interest, uh, from other clubs in the league or, or, or other, you know, people with the same ambitions to do something like this in British Columbia? Are you guys uh, the one and only at the moment? 
That's a good question, Craig. There's been a, a bunch of support from behind the scenes from some of the groups. They knew what we were doing. Um, uh, funny enough, I've had a couple of clubs from Ontario contact me. How are you doing this? You know, can we can we look under the hood? We kind of said, look, just let us let this play out first because it might fail, um, and then and then we can sit down and kind of give you some some guidance. And so so yeah, I hope this is the beginning of something. Um, if, if we can build a whole bunch of clubs across this country in this way and get uh, people's voices and people's votes and involved in steering these environments, I think that would be a pretty cool thing. So, so Chris, there's this minimum and maximum ownership packages here, right? So if someone wants to get involved here, how do they and what's it going to cost them? Well, our initial offering, which Colin mentioned, just closed um, – needed us to get to $150,000, which represents, I think, uh, sort of 30% of what we're trying, what we can raise. So we can raise 49%. And that's a league rule, right? Because at this point, you know, we're just beginning a league, um, a league one journey, and they vetted all of the owners of the founding clubs. And, you know, the last thing they want is 450 new owners that they have to come through and do the due diligence on. So, at this point, the maximum that we can, we can buy as, as supporters is 49%. Um, I know, and that's just league rule. Um, and the club has said, Hey, look, if you all want to buy it at some point, if we can do it. Let's do it. Um, but for me, the, uh, yeah, this $265 share it was the, was the price we set and we reached our first threshold. Um, yeah, two days ago, which was really exciting. So we've got now 200 and, more than 250 owners and we're, yeah, we're up around 260, 260 or $168,000. So, so at the moment it's closed, like at the moment we've done our first round and it's closed. So that the deal was get to that number by March 9th and then the club can accept the offer. Right. And that's, mm-hmm. that, that would trigger the club to accept the offer. So we're in that stage now of like, we've amassed this capital and we're offering it to the majority shareholders and saying, Hey, we've got this, we're ready to go. And, and, what had happened is as you buy a share through fund 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 funder, like it's not a, a GoFundMe, it's a it's a piece of equity. So there's a lot of to get in, there's a lot of work. Like you gotta go through a lot of documentation, upload mm-hmm. a bunch of financial information. You know, it was it was serious undertaking. It's accessible, but it's it's not just, hey, here's my money, you know, good luck. Uh, it's a proper ownership share, a proper equity state. So we've got hey, that. Yeah, that was a bit of a challenge for sure. I think some people thought, hey, yeah. I'm just gonna go on here, pull my credit card out. Mm-hmm. you know, in and out in 30 seconds. And and so it was, no, it's like opening an account at an investment dealer. They want to know who you are. They want to know what your risk levels are, all that sort of stuff. And so that, that scared a few people away. Um, mm-hmm. But honestly, everything, everything good need takes effort. That's the way I look at things. And so to the 270 odd people that I, that are in here, they, they went through a process, right? They, they, it was okay. I'm going to sit down here for, you know, 20 minutes and, and make sure that, that I get this right. So. So from the women's uh, standpoint, Chelsea, what does this mean for you and the women's program? And I know there's been some outspoken women about, uh, recently even about, uh, the pathway and older players. And if you haven't got a European passport by the age of 21, you basically fall out of the game. Um, what is this going to do for you and the development of, uh, you know, late developers and the opportunity for young women to step into a, a terrific club with the uh, terrific support? 
yeah, a, a passport or, or a hefty bank account for sure is, is kind of what, uh, females needed to have in order to have some sort of a pathway before, uh, even considering like what their next steps are. Um, this league in itself and, and just the club that has shown support behind the pathways for women who are in that 18 to 23 age group and, and beyond that, the ones that still have the, that dream alive, it's been, um, insurmountable support from like a social media standpoint, just being outspoken and just getting the word out there. Um, but then also you can see from the share, the shareholders, it's uh, the clubs, the coaches, the soccer fans that are across that extend across the country that are just, um, thrilled to be part of something bigger for the, for the women's game has been fantastic. So for me, I'm, I'm excited from, um, a, a marketing standpoint. Uh, but also just from the actual physical pathway and offering something that's a little bit more. And, and to be clear, Chelsea, from a footballing standpoint, the club, men and, and women's side, is focused 100% on Canadian players, Canadian squads. Um, and, and I think it's really important for people to, to understand and to know. Oh, yeah. And there's, there's, um, it's Canadian players and there's rules in place to make sure that that happens and doesn't get uh, overlooked. So yeah, certain, um, maximum international players can be placed onto a roster. And that's again, just to honor your, your Canadian players, the ones that are in your backyard, the talent that's been here all along uh, and giving them that pathway and platform to, to work with. A little bit just, more just on, the, be... on, on uh, the, the wallet size, uh, Chelsea, what did you actually mean by that, uh, uh, that comment? <laughs> My own experiences, um, I would say, you know, I, I could have gone uh, overseas and, and pursued my own playing career a lot further if I wasn't, um, you know, caught between a rock and a hard place of graduating university with at, at probably uh, the prime time of my playing career um, if I had the financial resources to do so. Um, I was able to play in the WPSL uh, when I was living in the U.S. and uh, to go further and beyond that, um, it, it financially was not a realistic thing for my family or, or me as a just recently graduated student. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there are, there are some, uh, players out there who were lucky enough or blessed enough to have the opportunities to do that, um, because of the financial support. There wasn't money. There's not money being made, um, that's strong enough or substantial enough to, to really make a living and and you're going in your mid twenties. And when most people are, you know, putting their foot into their first career path, you would have to take a step into uh, basically a risk or taking a chance on something that you don't even know if it's going to work out. And that's exactly what soccer is, whether you're a coach or a player and even more so when you're not making the money, it's, it's a risk and um, it's a bit of a, a dog eat dog world when it comes to women's football. Um, so to have a platform, but even, uh, you know, working towards now having that um, that financial side to it is is a huge step and a huge uh, breath of fresh air for a lot of players. We are seeing how the pathways improving, though. You know, League One Ontario has done a good job. CPL now, of course, as well. Mm-hmm. So, Colin, let's fast forward now. You know, ten years in the future, if everything goes the way you want it to go, what is the big picture for for TSS Rovers? Well, c- clearly. Um- there's there's higher goals and than just you know we we've been operating the club's been operating in in, in these leagues already we're excited to be in this Canadian uh, uh, established league in, in BC but the reality is is 
we're if you if you look at our offering, um, uh, we're we're looking at uh, creating a home, building a facility. Um, we have a f- indoor facility that that we run some of our programming out of here uh, in Richmond, BC. But but to have your own ground and you know, small stadium and yeah, you might say, well, that's a bit of a pipe dream. But hey, that that's a lot of the people that have jumped in on this have said, hey, I like that. I like where this is going. And and for us to be able to go back into the the group of shareholders and and above and beyond those people to to go raise some more money to do that um, is is a distinct possibility. And then of course they're down the down the road. You never know, right? You, this this group may get involved in a, in some kind of CPL mechanism in some sort of support, you know, partial ownership way. And so, yeah, exciting times to be a to be a footballer, I think, uh, if I'm like 12, 13, 14 years old right now with all the stuff that's uh, happened and is going to happen uh, in in this country uh, over the next little bit, uh, I think there's going to be a ton of opportunity here. Mm-hmm. And when there's opportunity, um, it needs support underneath. And so we're, we're, we're hoping to be. And then, of course, one day, and I know Chris would love to talk about this, um, we want to play in the Canadian Championship. Yeah, it's great. I think it's great what you're doing out there. I like how how different a lot of the teams are. I think the Whitecaps are, are involved in the league uh, Correct, right yeah. away, aren't they? Yeah. So you got a professional yeah. squad. You've got uh, Varsity FC, which is affiliated with the Thunderbirds. So you've got a university connection, which is very similar to what they have in in Mexico with Tigres, who's affiliated with the University of Leon. And mm-hmm. then you've got yourselves who have uh, have shares for fans to buy into, very similar to what. Uh, Barcelona and, and Real Madrid doing us in a way where, where the fans can buy in and it's share operated. Now, I think you're starting off with seven teams. Is What's the demand and the buzz like in BC right now with League One? We've seen the growth here and how big it's getting, League One, Ontario. Um, is there is there a real demand and a buzz for League, League One BC right now? I think everybody's waiting for it to, to kick a ball. I think that's the first thing that that has to happen. Um, it's funny you said that the the other day. BC Soccer sent out a request for uh, RFPs for um, expansion <laughs> for 2023, and I'm not behind the scenes by any means, but I, I my understanding is there's a fair amount of groups that have lined up to come in here to to be considered for expansion, and so yeah, I think. When, when we were in the USL, you know, we play out a swan guard, you know, it was like, oh, what's going on over there? It, this whole thing now has, has sort of an impetus and a mo- momentum that didn't exist before. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're on this show. <laughs> we're, we're getting, you know, we've, we've been on global uh, sports uh, locally here. You know, um, I, I think once this this gets going and people start coming out to games, and I know our our supporters group, the Swan Guardians, um, are super excited about the fact that they can travel forty five minutes down the road and go and support us in a away match, which mm. with 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 USL two, like we were flying to Calgary and bussing down to Eugene and Salem, Oregon. And so it was really only Swan Guard. These guys, these guys now are, are poised. Um, there's a group of about 
40, 50 of them uh, that, that will be traveling with us when we go to these other venues. And so I think once this gets going and some of the rivalry and tribalism starts to kick up locally here, I think, I think the, the, this is just a springboard for, for where this is going to go. One of the great things I, I see about this model, guys, is that the fact that you have the supporters group, I suppose that this supporters group has also got a position at the table when it comes to decisions and decisions on coaching and board of directors and all these types of things as well. Am I correct in saying that? Yes, there's a, based on the offering, there's two spots on our board for, for the, uh, all the shareholders from the supporters trust side of things. So they'll be, they'll be elected in. Now they're not, not going to be picking the starting 11, um, but, uh, <laughs> but they'll be involved. And, and, and so there's, yeah, there's a, there's a, a governor there, right? An yeah. oversight that frankly doesn't ever exist in, in, in sport here. You know, it's usually a couple of rich people and they make mm-hmm. all the decisions, right? And so now it's, um, it, it's a, it's far more democratic. So we're, we're excited, uh, to have extra eyes and ears and different perspectives on, on some of the stuff that we've been doing. Cause sometimes you get a little narrow in your own world and, and you don't see the big picture as well. And these people will look through different lenses. Mm. Well, so Chris, so here we are now. Um, the first round of shares is closed shop right now, but obviously down the road, you'll be opening again. We've got a lot of listeners, you know, with money burning a hole in their pockets. They, they keep telling us this, you know, they're not sponsoring our show. But apparently got lots of money. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they'd love to get in on this. Um, how how do they keep in touch with you guys and the next uh, the pathway to move, to move forward? Nice. Well, I think there's there's a couple of ways of doing that. So um, we're pretty active. This whole campaign's been pretty active on Twitter, and so if you if they follow the TSS Rovers Twitter handle at TSS Rovers, um, and the spirit of the Rovers Trust is the supporters trust. So we're the ones that represent the. With the teeming masses with money burning a hole in their pockets to, to the board, uh, and and make our opinions known about the starting eleven, even though we don't get to vote on the starting eleven. Uh, but uh, you can spiritoftherovers.ca is our website, so we publish updates there, and uh, you'll see you'll see stuff on social media. And so as as folks follow along, we'll we'll make sure everybody knows when the next round opens up. Could be soon, um, and uh, yeah, we make lots of space for that. And Chelsea, how do you get the word out to the the women in the area to come out and uh, try out or be a part of this team? That's a good question. I'm actually quite active um, in uh, the female programming across the province, across the country, I'd say. Um, And the buzz is there. So it's really just about mentioning it. And as simple as that, you you can generate a lot of uh, followers and and. Uh, soon to be league one players and current players that are reaching out asking how to be a part of it. But um, it's really just about word of mouth, get the word out there, let them know that these are opportunities that they can be part of. And, and then the dreamers become reality, right? And um, it really, it's just about word of mouth and, and supporting the program and supporting the buzz that's already there. And if you and if you follow you follow our Swan Guardians Twitter account, we tweet out about every player that's ever pulled on a shirt for us. You know, from yeah. the Jordan Heidemas and Julia Grossos and Joel Watermans through to the the Mia Pantes who had a banger of a game last night, I have to say. And then just you know, we 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 because it's part of us as supporter groups. We we don't want these players returning to Rovers, right? We want them taking up their rightful position in, in more elite leagues and on our national teams. So we're, we're constantly behind them. If you want to find out who's playing for Rovers, follow the Swan Guardians account. 
because we're devoted to these players. <laughs> that sounds good. Well, listen, Chris, Colin, Chelsea, um, thank you so much for this and good luck. It's a fascinating project. And we'll definitely keep a close eye on it and get you guys back uh, maybe in a few weeks' time once uh, the season's kicked off. And certainly when you are open for business once again, so to say, let us know. And we'll Excellent. make sure our listeners are well aware of it. So thanks so much for this. Thanks. Okay, thank you for having us. Thanks, thank guys. You. Good luck. Thanks, thanks guys. Luck, really guys. appreciate it. Yeah, interesting, eh, fellas? I mean, we talk about um, the culture of the game in Canada has evolving and changing. And these are demonstrations, I think, once again, how the game is changing, how there is more more uh, notoriety for certain teams and more of an interest at the fan level. I agree. I, I, I don't think this sort of thing, you know, that many years ago would have failed right out of the gates. I think there was this sustained winning with our women's team, sustained winning with our men's team, with uh, World Cup 2026. The momentum will continue on and we're going to see some pretty exciting things. And this is something that is brand new. We've never seen it in Canada before. It's exciting. And if you want to be part of a club, really part of a club, um, that would be the one I'd be going to. You feel like you're part of the fabric of the club and that's, uh, that's important to build on. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it's like, we're always looking how to get fans more invested, more involved and like mm-hmm. literally with their own money to have a, a share of the pie. I think it's great. And I honestly think it's a model you're going to see copied. Um, I hope that they can be very successful out there in, uh, in Vancouver. And from just what, uh, Colin said there about, you know, road trips, um, being 45 minutes away as opposed to going to Calgary or the middle of Oregon, not even pretty Oregon. Um, I think that's going to help huge for them. Yeah. And obviously the development is important for the Vancouver Whitecaps because sticking their team and they're the academy team. Part of the problem is with their academy and Toronto's in the same boat. We've talked to Danny Dickio about this is that it's the opposition that you're playing against the competition. And where do you find it? Where do you have to travel to find it? And this league will hopefully get to a standard of play where it's actually helping to develop not only of the Rovers, but uh, of the Whitecaps Academy as well. Maybe it's something Chelsea should think about. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, what a week for Chelsea, hey? I mean, yeah. they're still playing the games and they're getting results and, and good for them. And I feel so sad for Thomas Tuchel every time he's asked about it, but I think he's he's dealing with it really, really well. But yes. man, I mean, Craig, you, you, you've been at that club. You know it relatively better than us anyway, certainly. Um, mm. I know it's changed a lot since you were there with, with Roman's ownership, but it's mm. a big club that now has the potential to to decline rapidly depending on what happens in the next uh, few days and weeks. Yeah, and who's, who the new owner is. is uh, I mean, it was yeah. well-funded by Abramovich. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. And uh, it's interesting how... You know, the Chelsea fans are worried. They they love Abramovich and what he meant, and he loved the football club, and I don't doubt that. But uh, there's many reasons why he bought it in the first place um, and sinking money into it that uh, wasn't really football-related. But they're in a bit of a pickle right now. I think Thomas Tuchel has definitely handled it really well, I think, in every aspect of, uh, of his situation, a very difficult one. I don't feel sorry for him, though, because he's making a ton of money. Uh, and all the other players that have benefited from a parameter's money. So let's be careful what we're talking about here. But he has dealt with it well. And that's a, that's a difficult situation for him to deal with. And it's not just him. It's also guys like Eddie Howard getting questions up in Ed, uh, Newcastle about their ownership. And it's going to continue on. So uh, 
let's hope for a Chelsea football club that it gets resolved and uh, they can at least uh, stay in the situation where they're as competitive as ever. I think I saw the headline guys the day that I left that Roman was going to be asked to sell the club. And did he not make a statement saying that all every cent of the profit from his sale, he would donate to Ukrainian efforts? Was well, that? he's at the war efforts. It could have been the Russian side. Who knows? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, we don't know. No, we don't know. He's, You're he's right. Such close ties to Putin. Honestly, I, I read it the other way. Uh, and, and I really thought though that, you know, that was a, a very smart PR move on his part just to, to get them to m- move the sale across. And I thought that there'd be some, you know, big American or obviously there's a lot of Middle Eastern money, uh, that would be interested in coming in and, and scooping that up at some type of a bargain. Um, I really didn't think that we'd get to this point, honestly. You can understand politically why they would drag their feet a little bit. A lot of people really upset that Biden and Trudeau have taken so long to ban imports and stuff, but you understand the impact it has on our economies and that, right? This is a kind of a different situation. I really thought they would kind of see this through and uh, I mean, who knows what the next few days and weeks are going to look like for this team. It's just complete uncertainty and shambles, which we've all lived through for two years, right? Yeah. I don't think we have to worry too much about Chelsea. Guys. I think I think they'll get snapped up and I think they're going to have a number of big hitters that want to take over that club. Yeah. It's so valuable. It's such a big, big club. Um, and as for the manager and the players, look, it's, it's not their business really. They just got to focus on football, fo- focus on playing week in and week out, right? Um, and if, obviously, you know, the press is going to try to get involved and ask what they think, but you know, that's up to the manager to protect the players and make sure you say, listen, don't talk about it. It's not our business. We focus on the match each, each week, week in and week out. Um, and let them upstairs deal with everything else. And the concern though is that. Roman piled his money into that club because it by itself couldn't support the ambitions, mm-hmm. right? With what it was making. So he financed the moves that the player acquisitions to the tune of 1.5 billion pounds. Now, a new guy coming in might be, I agree with you, Jimmy, heavy hitters for sure. You know, that's going to be a very, uh, alluring prospect to own Chelsea. But if they want to make it sustainable, there's work to be done there. And that might not be mean being in, in the competition for the best players in the world every single off season. Yeah. And that's the issue I think and why they should be a little bit concerned. Yeah, but I think you look you're not just buying buying a club. I mean, you guys have been to the Sanford Bridge. You've seen what they built around it, the property that they have. The value of that club is massive. Mm-hmm. So, I think you know there's a lot there to it and and you're right. It's not a guy that's coming in and buying it for, you know, that's got 3 300 million in the bank. It's someone coming in with a couple of billion in his back pocket to buy Chelsea. And if, if you look at the Premier League, that's what you need to have really now if you want to compete. And Chelsea needs to compete, and they'll be out headhunting to find out that 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 guy with the big pockets that that's buying not only the team but he's buying all the assets that, that are around with it. The only trouble with the assets are, I know Abramovich went in 2018, was looking to build a new stadium. Um, and then there's some prove your wealth laws and situations like that were changing in the UK that put that on hold. He ends up bailing to Israel. That gets put on uh, the back burner. So there is that stadium, um, that needs to be redone or rebuilt if they want to be at the level what Chelsea Football Club are playing at right now. He wants three billion pounds for the club. He's got no chance of getting that. Not even close. Uh, and, and not no. even close. I mean, what do they value Man United at? Two, two billion pounds, two point one yeah. billion pounds. So he's not worth more than that. So yeah. we'll we'll see. But uh, yeah, it uh, it'll be interesting. And people with that sort of money uh, that can afford that sort of thing usually uh, didn't always make it uh, in the most fair 
way either. So they've got to be careful about <laughs> coming in and getting uh, the same situation happen to them as Abramovich down the road 20 right. years. I will say the one thing about, I mean, listen, I mean, we can talk about his connection to Putin. What do we know? We know nothing. Um, but that aside, he, he seemed to me to generally have a lot of passion for this club. He loves Chelsea Football Club, right? It, it wasn't about making money, clearly, necessarily, anyway, t- to him. It was so, about hiding money. It was about putting maybe, money yeah, somewhere. Yeah, it could well be. But regardless of you know the the dark reasoning behind some of you know his decisions, I, I do think he cares about the club. Mm-hmm. Um, and and no, on I that, care. I hope that he finds an owner that will has a similar ambition and isn't just trying to find. He's not making a profit from this, right? <laughs> Apparently, you know, at least not optically, anyway. So find the right person to carry this project. I hate using the word project in sports. Jesus, mm-hmm. listen to me. It is the this club mm-hmm. forward. Do you, do you think that a person like that actually exists, though? I mean, look yeah. at the tears that we're talking here, because whenever you and I talk about Mbappe, I always say, leave that Liverpool door open. And you laugh and say they're not in that tier, right? And they're look, they're running a, a functional business at Liverpool, and they have been since the Fenway Sports Group kind of took over. They've done very well. They've grown with it, but they're not at that level to spend ridiculously like the oil money and Roman and, and Chelsea have in the past. So who's that type of person that comes in? Because we're not talking $300 million which uh, Newcastle was sold for. We're talking a billion with, as you say, the ambitions to stay at this level. What is that type of person? I think there's a, but there's a huge group of guys in Riyadh that are like, damn it, we jumped too early. We should have well, just waited. Yeah, well, yeah, quite possibly, right? But We let uh, that I mean, woman take us to Newcastle. What were we thinking? <laughs> London's better. <laughs> but John Henry um, clearly isn't, I mean, he owns the Sox. He knows sports business. He's not a sports fan necessarily, I don't think, right? But he's got a team... Like you said, which pays for itself as one of the top teams in world football. So if you build a club properly with that tier of financing behind you, you can be successful. Mm-hmm. Whereas you can be a PSG and have all the money in the world and screw it up still. Right. So it takes, it takes a bit of intellect, I think, and hire the right people. On that, Thomas Tuchel, who knows what his future is now? And it's been, been Jamie Carragher who was saying to United, for Christ's sakes, United, keep your ear to the ground here if you can get Tuchel you do it tomorrow right and, and I think it could be a fascinating summer don't you think for, for Chelsea and if you're United let's, let's just purely speculate here let's get back to the football if you're United you can get Pochettino or Thomas Tuchel or, or Ten Hag who are you going for Jimmy uh, I like Posh but I'd probably take the Chelsea manager right now to be honest with you mm-hmm. and if I was Man U I'd go knocking on the door right now I would, I would too. 100%. He's won a Champions League. Yeah. The uh the chat that must be happening behind the scenes, right? The uh the the uh, not tinkering. What are the what do we call it North American sports? Uh Wanger when you're oh, uh, tampering. Uh, tampering, excuse me. Yes, the tapping tampering up. That would be going on. Yeah, tapping <laughs> for sure. Um yeah. you know, like look at all these free agents that they've got, right? Um that will the contracts that will expire, Rudiger being one, so a few other guys that Asperquetta um, and uh, Christensen. Yeah. You know these agents are are t- trying to set, you know, something in stone long before they're uh, legally able to on paper, right? And the same thing will go for managers. So I'm sure the uh, the press will be out at restaurants in Manchester looking to see who's dining at Rio's place uh, with any one of the United board. And I'm with Jimmy. Yeah. I, I honestly think Tuchel would be, of the three of them there, I, I would absolutely be working behind the scenes to make that happen and bring him to Old Trafford. That's what they do with the sex. You, you know when with, the, with agents and how it works, right? They know players are out of contract or you, you've got a top manager. You start 
putting things out in tweet. You start feeding it out there, right? Creating a little buzz. Oh, this player is available. Oh, Manchester United's interested in this manager. So you already start to get the ball rolling to show that the, you know, there's interest out there. And all of a sudden now it starts opening up more doors because people go, Jesus, oh, this guy's available. He's available. So it's, it's funny how they work behind the scenes and all the rumors start spreading out. But a lot of the time it's the agents that get it out. Oh, for sure. Yeah. They, they start to stick it out and they know lots of media as well. And the media are yeah. quite happy to throw out rumor after rumor. Um, but as far as Tuchel goes, I, I honestly think that he's also a loyal man. And uh, under the situation he's under and the contract he's under, he'll do whatever he can to stay at Chelsea Football Club and uh, and honor that. In yeah, my belief, you, you could be right. It's just, I mean, right now, obviously, it's very concerning time to Chelsea fans because if Roman doesn't sell, then they are screwed. Simple as that, right? Uh, at some point, the money will dry up. I know they're still getting broadcast revenues, still getting prize money, but nothing else. Sponsorships dried up. The mm-hmm. club shops closed for Christ's sakes. Can't sell more tickets, so he has to sell it. They're going to be Burnley. What's that? <laughs> They're going to be Burnley. <laughs> I, I, I think the uncertainty and the panic is just like how and which do they operate? Like they've had this treasury bill passed that allows them to carry on basic football operations, but as you say, they're technically not allowed to sell merch or or make essentially any profit, anything beyond functioning as the team. So, how long does that go for? I mean, this is going to be drawn out with world's teams of lawyers right best 11s of lawyers for for how long it's gonna it's gonna be a long time so i really think that it's not gonna get i I don't know if this could get sorted before the summer unless they make some type of reversal and say look look just dump it this is your tax rate 81 percent is going back to the british government that's the only way we'll allow this sale i think it would take something like that yeah well well, i mean they they say a sale could like if if it was all done properly it could be a 10 days to get a sale done you know, from start to finish, if everything's agreed in place, which seems, I mean, <laughs> to Newcastle, how many years to figure this out, right? You get the right owners. They go through all the, the stringent testing of ownership. You know, we know how the Premier League took that seriously. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be fascinating. But this um, latest ruling can... still allows for that sale, James? Sorry, James. Sorry? This latest Sorry. ruling by the British government still allows for that sale? I thought this would prevent that. No, no. So, so what it does, it, uh, so right now they cannot sell the club. However, they can ask for special dispensation if they can prove that there's no benefit to Roman Abramovich and there's no profit. They Uh, will give special dispensation and allow the sale. They can tweak the rules whenever they want. And they're good at that. They're rich. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Can you imagine all these oligarchs are all talking to each other, trying to figure out where to put their boats and, Money and how do we keep it? What's, what's Vladimir doing? He's killing us here. Yeah, <laughs> can't even get gas for this boat. <laughs> oh, well, what get what I, I don't get is can't the get surprise the come with this. The surprise <laughs> you know, I'm reading about. Oh, they're just stunned. This has happened. Like, didn't we hear about this being a possibility like a month ago? If if, if Russia invade Ukraine, watch out if you're an oligarch. There'll be sanctions. I'm pretty sure I read about that a month ago. <laughs> 2018, Roman moved to Israel because he couldn't live in England anymore. Do you think maybe some flags are going up then? <laughs> I'm surprised it's taken this long, honestly. I'm just, I'm always stunned by these brilliant minds, both in government and private business, who are surprised by, I don't know, pandemics and, and wars <laughs> and sanctions. It's like, oh shit, didn't see that coming. We've been told for years. Well, that's a good tangent. Uh, talking about conflict, PSG 
Paco sent up his research notes, every article was a PSG. And it was about <laughs> infighting and arguments and the owner going off in a Real Madrid uh, employee. Have Craig or Jimmy, and I think Jimmy probably was in all these, but have Craig and Jimmy ever been in a locker room that crazy? Where something going on like that? Like infighting? Infighting, but like actual fisticuffs and... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I want some stories. Well, we only had the one on, uh, you know, if you want to start with the kick to the head, uh, John Hartson, Al Al Berkovich in a training section. Oh, right. Boots him right in the head. Now, that was public viewing, unfortunately, and it was supposed to disappear, which it did for a couple of weeks until Sky Sports (laughs) were sitting on it and thought we better get this out there. It's too good. Craig, uh, was the room split an aisle side and, uh, and a Hartson side? No, no, not at all. Not at all. No. I mean, right away, Harry sat everybody down and uh, stopped the five aside that he, I mean, he was winding him up too. I mean, Harry was almost part of the problem. <laughs> 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 we were, we were killing the other team and he just kept hammering them and hammering them and, and, you know, what do you guys do? You guys are crap. And there's just, do, you know, do something about it, do something about it. And then I'll nutmegs hearts. And, and then uh, the rest is history. He's like, I'm not having that. Scissors <laughs> them and then boots them in the head. So, uh, but in dressing rooms, uh, fisticuffs all the time it happened regularly. And yeah. not that the guys, some, some of the guys would even like each other. You know, it's not like they weren't friends after and sometimes even better friends after they have a scrap, but guys are weird. People, aren't we? <laughs> That's how we deal with things, yeah. right? Usually, yeah, yeah. fight with it's each true. other, and then, then you go love for a pint. It, does, it happens all the time because you know you, what you got to remember too with with your contracts. You you've got bonuses, right? And it's it's your bread and butter. It's food on the table. And if you're working your ass off, and you've got an opportunity to make you know a grand for a, a win or getting into playoff position and getting more money, and or and somebody's not pulling their weight, you're lo- you're losing it at halftime. Or after the match, you're going after each other um, because they're not pulling their weight. So you you do see the fights all the time, and then on the training pitch, you see a lot of a lot of scuffles. But that's just a lot of a time we're just you're egging each other on, going, "I bet you're not going to do nothing. I bet you're not going to do." It. And all of a sudden, they start fighting, and you're going, "Oh shit, they are fighting. <laughs> you have to go break <laughs> them up." <laughs> but it, and it does. It happens a lot, and you get fired up because you think as well. You know, you're a bunch of guys that are together every single day. There's a lot of testosterone. You're seeing the same individuals. You're traveling together. You're in hotels together. You're playing week in and week out with one another. So there, there comes a, a breaking point where you're just sick of each other's faces. And it's, <laughs> you just start <laughs> a feeling. With it's each a competitive, uh, competitive environment. Yeah. So what was, um, if you can say, is that what would be the most dysfunctional room or team for a particular season that stands out to you either as a player or a coach can you can you say the one that was like yeah that wasn't a great group together it didn't work for whatever reason jimmy i don't know um i think we've I've been in a few dressing rooms where it starts off or the team's not doing too well and um, there's a lot of bickering there's a few cancers in the room and so which tfc season are you talking about (laughs) (laughs) no that that was difficult i think the the hardest part with that was because there was so much turnover like there was a revolving door so nobody could get settled right you know 
I remember I'm sitting beside you know, four different players in one season going, who's this guy now? And the next guy's gone. And then another guy comes in and that, that was just way too much turnover. That, that was the biggest issue with the, I think with TFC when, when it started, because it didn't have time to settle and have a group of players, you know, come together and, and get to really understand each other. And when you, when you've got that many players coming through revolving doors, you know, everybody's looking over the shoulder going, who's the next guy out now? <laughs> so and the was, difference was, is too it's a club that's building Jim you're in a completely yeah. different situation than you were over Bristol or Nottingham or Norwich or Southampton right you're at a club that's literally starting from ground zero so uh, yeah. being part of that project you're always going to have some uh, have some pain along the way yeah but not 60 players <laughs> <laughs> was it six, was it 60 bodies that went through that first season Jimmy because uh, it, it was something to, ridiculous something it was crazy. insane I think the first three seasons, it was maybe it was in the third season. I remember Sharm's uh, the stat came through when we were at, at the footy show, and it was like, "Wow, hundred players have dressed." Whoever the signing was, like, the, he'll be the one hundredth player to dress our TFC. This is in the third season. I couldn't believe it was only a hundred. I'm like, "Come on, it's got to be closer to five hundred by I'm now." <laughs> okay, you want to you want to see the 2007 TFC roster squad? You want to run right, through? No, we we know a lot of these, right? I, I want to. I wonder if Jimmy can get them all. <laughs> You're a teammate. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. All right. Wait, one year, second. Let me just plug it. Okay. Holy crap. This is ridiculous how long it is. We could, right. This could be, we could go around the table. This would be fun to just name okay, the next let's, guy. Let's try it. Okay. Let's, let's try, try it. Okay. okay. Jimmy gets the start. Okay. Uh, Greg Sutton. Correct. Ooh. Uh, Andy uh, Welsh. Oh, yep. Welsh, he was there. Craig. Christ, I covered it for five years, and I, I put it. I put it to the back of my mind because I, I never, I never want to remember it ever again. <laughs> and just to be clear, this is not just the opening day roster. This is just from season one. So your pool yeah. is not twenty four. Your pool is sixty. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Come on, Craig, you must know one more. Danny Danny, 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 yeah. Danny, artificial turf Dickio. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Jimmy, you back up. Cole Robinson. Yeah, oh, that was my next one. Colin Samuel. Colin, was oh, he first? Yeah, Paca. good one. Good one. Uh, I'll tell you a story with that. Do you know how he got his nickname? His nickname was Paca, right? And uh, we said to him, I said to him one day, we were sitting on the bus because he was from Trinidad, right? And he was he was a funny guy, big guy too, stocky. And I went, uh, I said, oh man, that, that keeper in Trinidad, he was great. Played at West Ham, that Paca Hislop. So... Deets catches on and a few of the other boys go, oh, yeah, Packer Hislop, he was, he was really good, man. What a keeper he was. I remember him playing for Trinidad. And all of a sudden, right, he turns around and goes, who the fuck is Packer, man? <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up calling him Packer. That was Colin Samuel's nickname was That's Packer. hilarious. Yeah. Um, all right. So listen, um, rather than going through, because there's so many names here, I'm going to throw some names out, some ones that surprised me I forgot all about. Do that. Okay, remember Richard Sante? Obviously, you remember him. Yeah. He was there. Um, when did Laurent, and, uh, Laurent Robert come? Was that first, first or second year? Uh, I think that was second or third year, wasn't it? Yeah. Was it? wasn't third. It was, he was could early. barely walk. Yeah. Um, uh, so we got, remember Edson Buttle was okay, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, Miguel Canizales. Don't yeah. remember him. Ronnie O'Brien. Yeah. John, uh, well, I remember Mo telling me we've got the best midfielder in MLS. Ronnie O'Brien used to come in every day with his golf shoes on, golf shirt, and shorts. You know, he's a, he's like he's a golf instructor now in Dallas or something. Is he really? Eh? Oh, he he was like 
he was like Gareth Bale. I was going to say as that. As soon as training was done, gone on the golf course, come in golf shoes, everything. It was unbelievable. Ready <laughs> to go. Escondarian. I think he even trained with his glove on sometimes. <laughs> Aleko, Aleko was a big MLS player. That was a he good guess from all to start his the dad season. was too, right? Yeah. Uh, Kevin Goldthwaite. Guys are just completely forgotten about. Andrea Lombardo. Mr. Yep. Uh, Mr. Esquire. We wouldn't forget yeah. about Andrea though. Legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler Hemming. Abby Ibrahim. Joey Mello. Oh, yeah. Gabe Gala. Gabe Gala. Yep. Scored against Real Madrid. Our boy, David Monsalve. Oh, he was on that season one team? He was, yeah. There were a lot of goalkeepers. Kenny Stamatopoulos. I forgot he was there. Jesus. Um, Sam Reynolds, another goalkeeper. I don't remember. It must have been way down the pecking order. We had four goalkeepers in the first year. Boris Pardo, another goalkeeper. You got one, two, three, four. They were better than the old players. Five, (laughs) six, seven. (laughs) Hey, Jimmy Brennan was one of them too. Who? Jimmy Brennan. Did you pull the gloves on, Jimmy? No, are you kidding me? Oh. What about in Never. training? In And did you ever have to pull them on in training in five-a-sides, lose a no. bet or anything? That just doesn't happen? I felt, feel like that No, would. do you know what? I, t- I tell you the problem with me, okay? Like, I, I used to kind of mess around a little bit with goalie, but when I was a kid, I must have been 10 years old. You know when I say, okay, everybody's going to take a turn in goal? I get in, and I'm not joking, right? I must have let in 10 goals within six minutes. And I was almost in tears and I never went back in net again. I hated it. I despised the position. <laughs> You're like, and that on. was it. Everyone in I messed around a little bit with penalty shots because I'm, I'm like a cat. Got that cat reflex. You know, I'll cover the goal. Well. <laughs> no, you I got the, don't. I got, I got, I've got the wingspan and the big palms. I don't even wear gloves if I'm messing around because I don't think goalkeepers need gloves. But anyways, our, our best goalkeeper, uh, out player, was uh, Paul Pescasolino. Mm. He was only Beautiful. five foot three, and yet he was still our best goalkeeper. Couldn't yeah, dive his right. It was short every time you talk about his feet. He looked like Frodo. <laughs> <laughs> Flipper foot. <laughs> hey, Wonga, do you want to mention any other players from first year at TFC? <laughs> no, but as we're talking about uh, BMO and TFC, just one more thing from my point of view is Jamaica, Ken's men's national team sold out at mm-hmm. BMO on March 27th. And I think we're all going to try and be there. And mm-hmm. our fr- this is a crazy thing. Our friend James Sherman will be heading down to Costa Rica with Sportsnet. Is that a, is that confirmed, Sherms? Looks that way, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say confirm, confirm, confirm. So I think it's mentioning <laughs> it. But. In Media Wonger, it's never confirmed yeah, to your ass. on the plane. Yeah. And even oh. then, you don't know. You wait plane? Until what are you talking I, about? I'm just plane. Yeah. taking a boat. I'm leaving tomorrow. <laughs> 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 They're making them drive now. <laughs> They're not going to. No, no, you get a boat, get a cruise ship. You get an all inclusive cruise ship to Costa Rica. You get it down there cheaper <laughs> than a flight. Probably. No, it's going to be a fun week, boys. That is the, the part of the Jamaica game is going to be just be a big party. Let's hope they clinch in, in Costa Rica and then you can just enjoy enjoy the time here. Mm-hmm. But I was looking at the standings. It, it's impossible for Canada to miss out on top four. That's impossible. Yeah. 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 Worst case, I mean, and for them to do that, for them to play, get into the playoff, it would be a major choke job. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Well, Jamaica, or not Jamaica, Costa Rica and uh, Panama. Panama have to win all three. 
Yeah. Mm. Canada has to lose all three. But two of those games, Costa Rica have to play the United States. The Panama have to play the United States. Mm-hmm. So to win both of those games, that makes the U.S. in a position where they can't catch Canada for that to happen. Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to say is it's highly it's, unlikely. It's done. It's, it's We're going to a World Cup. It's done. We're going to the World Cup. Simple. Well, Sh- Charms is. I mean, we're, we'll be watching. <laughs> I know you can listen by then, boys. We'll yeah, have a major sponsor. I'm not going. We'll have a major sponsor by then, yeah. or maybe we're going off to three from yeah. uh, UK because they, they they got some money to spend right now. Gazprom. They're looking for sponsors. They're looking <laughs> oh, to throw it out there. Hey, we've discussed before. What, uh, what do we sell our soul for uh, a trip to the World Cup? I mean, it's in Qatar, the Gazprom footy show. Yep. <laughs> that would just be pro- very typical. It would be fitting, wouldn't it? For some yeah. reason. I don't know why. It's a natural synergy there. <laughs> uh, we're awful people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, we should probably say farewell until the uh, – what's the, what's the new show, the, the Sunday night show called now? This Just In. This Justin? Yep. This Justin is a terrible name. <laughs> you hate news and such. Now you love news and such. This Justin. I love news and such. So <laughs> this Justin on Sunday night. Please it's listen no to the weekend Tuesday. rap. Yeah. We've changed it. This Justin, even though we're talking about things that may have happened on Saturday. It's been it's in for some time. In. Sorry. It should be we, called we, things we, that have been in for some time. <laughs> <laughs> what about like uh yeah maybe maybe we should brain trust this maybe just about in you were away <laughs> when we started talking about it yeah you guys like you guys love to make decisions when i'm away or not involved actually <laughs> dip the tip dip the tip and call that just, just the tip yeah <laughs> just almost in just do we put it in or not <laughs> <laughs> Justin well, works well. When Charmin says it, it sounds like he's talking about a guy named Justin. Like it just rolls. Justin. This is Justin. <laughs> that's really funny. <laughs> I that's I haven't laughed this hard on this show for a while. That's really, really good funny. Very good. All right, listen. Well, thanks to TSS Rovers. Uh, our apologies, apologies for um, the connection to anything else we've discussed in this show. But uh, look them up on social. Google them. It's a really interesting uh, project they have there. In, in BC, uh, Craig, B, Jimmy, Wonger, thank you very much. See you soon. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 